GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. 64 e-gamers battled it out over the weekend in one of Gibraltar's biggest gaming competitions so far. GBC reporter Ian Triai Clarence told us about this FIFA knockout tournament. And it's 50 years since the first straight crossing from Punta Cires in Morocco to Gibraltar in a small wooden rowing boat, a Yola. It was completed by the Calpe Rowing Club crew of Richard Labrador, Abi Suiza, Charlie Perez, Ernesto Sanguinetti and Francisco Schieri, four of whom joined me in the studio. But first, government housing rent recovery and anti-social behaviour have been on the agenda for Housing Minister Stephen Linares. Well, uh, we've realised that uh, there are people in arrears and certain people that are in arrears are people who can afford it and therefore... The, the problem is not, for example, there are other people who might have social problems and they struggle. And these people, we are trying to meet up with them and trying to help them in, in ways. No? There are ways like rent relief, for example. But there are other people that we realize that they just don't want to pay. And we think that it is not fair on the rest of all, all all the people that do pay, that these people, just because they don't want to, they don't pay. So so how do you um, separate those who can pay from those who can't, given that there isn't means testing in It's in very place? simple, Jonathan. Anybody who, has, who lives in a household and there are two wages coming in, it's easy to a- analyse that those people can pay. For example, or, or should I say that the... the uh, government rent is a very low rent anyway. So if you get somebody, for example, who's owing, uh, who has to pay £120, £120 a month, I am sure that if you have two wages at home, £120 a month is not something that is going to uh, cripple them. Is that more or less the average? Absolutely. The average, more or less, in in government housing, in fact, it's even lower. You live in Varelbeg, you could pay up to £60 a month. And there are places in town, in the town area, where people pay up to £20 a month. So there is no excuse whatsoever for people not to pay their rent. So there's this perception that people you know, could get away with not paying. And, exactly. and people thought, and that, well, I'll and just that is not where, pay then. Yeah, that's exactly. And that is where I've I've taken upon myself and the government that these people, we are going go, we're going to go for them. And we're going to go for them legally. And that's what we're doing. We are taking bunches of 10 cases. Uh, uh, happily for us, and it's not surprising that there hasn't been a case that has gone to court yet. Right. What is mean? What that means is that people who have been threatened to be taken to court have come back, and we have a system which the lawyers will. They have to sign up an agreement that they will pay the agreement. They can either come and pay a, a, a one-off payment and get rid of all their arrears, or if they cannot do that because there are times that their arrears are so big that they won't have the cash to do that, that they come and do an agreement. And that agreement, as soon as it's defaulted, they know that it automatically goes to court. So what, right. it ha- what happens is that they, they come to an agreement with the lawyers, the lawyers have the case ready, and should they default, it goes automatically onto the court. Now, the issue is also that if it goes to court, it becomes a public issue. 
under the data protection, I cannot say Jonathan Scott owes X amount of money. But if it goes to court, it is a public issue. And therefore, people have realized that when they're taken to court, they can be named and shamed. And and they'll want to avoid that. So. Absolutely. And it is working. And I'm glad that it is. Uh, we are, like I said, we're taking it in bunches of 10. Uh, we go to the, we're doing uh, through the uh, arrears unit, the uh, central arrears unit in the government. We look at, we analyze it and say, right, okay, these, we're talking about people who are owing 15, 20,000 pounds. If you calculate the amount of money that is the rent, some people have not paid for 10 or 15 years. Wow. And this is unacceptable. And okay, so and how many people are we talking about, more or less? We are talking about, uh, I would reckon, I mean, d- don't take me on this, is we're talking about 150, 200 people, but it is a lot of money that is out there, and there isn't any reason why it should be out there. Okay, and um, you recently moved the housing department to the ICC. How's mm-hmm. that working? It's working really, really well. I'm really happy of the move. Uh, there was always criticism about the move from because I was involved when they were in the city hall in the center of town uh, because I was a minister of culture then and we promised in our manifesto that the city hall will be a cultural center, which is what it is now. Uh, so I had to give the housing department their eviction notice. <laughs> I, I gave them the eviction notice and they came down here <laughs> to Harbour Views, uh, uh, New Harbour, sorry. And we were in an offices that weren't very uh, good and then we've moved to the ICC, which is there in the center of town. The criticism was that we're too far away from town. Now we're in the center of town, and it's working. When you gave your budget address uh, one month ago, Mr. Linares, uh, you said that there had been 90 antisocial behavior complaints since April this year, which means um, about one a day. Do, do, do Gibral- does Gibraltar have, or do Gibraltar's housing estates have an antisocial behaviour problem then? Or, or is 91 uh, a day not really that bad? No, no, it, it is. And it, and it is because only one can cause a lot of havoc. There are, look, there. if you live in Varroberg or you live in, in Humphreys or wherever you live, and you, you're a normal citizen that wants to get on with your life, you only need one family or one person to be doing antisocial behavior, uh, being antisocial, um, you know, having antisocial behavior. That person can create havoc and make the life misery of all the people living around. And I think it's completely unfair that somebody who lives and is being antisocial, that they create this problem to the rest of the people. It's not fair. So we are t- tackling it, and uh, obviously it takes time. There is a process. People say, well, why don't you kick them out? Kick them out of the house. Well, it's not as simple as kicking mm. a family out of the house. Of course not. Uh, is this something that they would generally take to the Royal Gibraltar Police, or, or, or do you also have walk-ins at the housing department um, on this topic? No, we have a committee. Uh, which is the Antisocial Behaviour Committee, which we discuss the issues. Uh, 
We have social services involved because many times there are children involved. And as you will know, and as an ex-school teacher, I feel very closely to children. So the parents might be causing antisocial behavior, but then there are issues with the children and those children have to be looked after. I'm sorry, but if the parents cannot look after them, we will have to, the state will have to look after them. So what we do is we have a committee, a multi-agency committee, where we work with all of us together to see how we proceed to evict someone. But again, eviction, evicting someone for antisocial behavior or a family for antisocial behavior can create a problem wherever you move them to. So again, we have to be very sensitive, very, very careful as to where we put them, um, careful with the children. Again, if somebody, a child, a family lives in Varobeg or, or Laguna and the child is going to a school which is just beside the estate and suddenly we move them somewhere else, the child is going to suffer. So decanting isn't always the answer at all, no? No, not, not at all. I mean, sometimes it's working with recently we've had to put uh, uh, guards, uh, you know, security guards in estates to see, to monitor, to help, to to try and see if we can work with the children. The youth service works very closely with us as well as a minister for youth so that we try and encourage the children to go to the, the youth club. So there is a whole multi-agency approach in order to try and minimize antisocial behavior. What well, are you happy as a minister for housing? Are you happy with the cleanliness of government estates? Uh, in general, yes. Uh, but the issue again is that you can clean the whole estate, and I've and I've I've experienced this, where the whole estate is clean, and within a couple of hours, already it becomes dirty. Why? Because people have to take pride of in, in where they live. They have to take pride. They have to, you know, uh, children, if the, if the children is throwing a piece of paper on the floor, uh, the parents should be the one responsible, but the child also to put it into the bin. Uh, all these issues, again, it becomes an issue that you can clean every single day, have it spot on, but then you have issues with people not doing what they should be doing, like putting a bag into the bin rather than leaving it outside where the seagulls come, they open it up and create the mess. Of course, um, which nobody wants exactly. uh, and causes a nuisance for, for everyone in the area. Um, right, let me ask you um, about the uh, housing department also dealing with a judicial review. You mentioned in your budget speech that uh, it's been filed by a constituent who's been represented by the leader of the opposition. Um, and uh, you said, I think, that this concerns a long-standing policy. Uh, can you tell us more? There is not a lot I can tell you because it's sub judice. It's in court, and I'm afraid I cannot dis disclose anything on that. But, uh, I mean, it is in, in, in court, and therefore, if you want, you can follow the court proceedings, mm. and okay. I think you'll, you'll Fair get enough. the information. Right? Um, I, I was pleased to read that uh, the Housing Act has now been completed. No, the, the review that, uh, that you've been carrying out for a few years is now ready? It is uh, ready, yes. Uh, we, I took it upon myself when I was appointed Minister for Housing, that uh, the Housing Act, the Housing Allocation Scheme, the Tenancy Agreement, the policies, and even a booklet that we're preparing, the whole of the policy 
law had to be reviewed. There are many things that go back to the uh, 1980s when the old GSLP government were in, in power then, and they reviewed it, but it hadn't been reviewed since. Yes, I'm glad to say that the Housing Act is now, uh, soon will be going, going to Parliament. Uh, the housing allocation scheme has all been reviewed. We have been closely working with the Action for Housing and all the other stakeholders. Uh, we are going to meet up with the housing for Action for Housing again so that we can go before we actually put the final in so that we can discuss issues that they might have. We've also uh, spoken to the landlords, uh, representatives of the landlords, because the Housing Act also deals with private uh, uh, landlords and, and tenancies. Okay, well, we look forward to um, hearing more about that. We've got a question from Karizan uh, for you, Housing Minister. It says, I would like to ask Mr. Linares how I can go about fixing a government drain. She says she owns a property and outside her house there is a drain shared with government housing stock and it's faulty. Uh, she's reported it to housing, she says, and they're not willing to fix it. Its current state is a safety hazard to the public. Well, I would suggest that... What's her name, sorry? Karizan. Well, I suggest to Karizan that she inf uh, goes to the housing department. We had a meeting, I think, two weeks ago, because the issue here is that there are many properties which people own and now are property owners, which might have an issue with government houses being beside. And the, the, the issue is who is responsible for the drainage and the sewage that goes outside their immediate house. So I think there is already a solution to that one. Okay, fingers crossed. Uh, thank you, Karizan, and thank you, John, for writing in. John asks, is enough being done for Gibraltar's youth to make Gibraltar truly a child-friendly city? Well, I think that is more the environment, but I, I can say that... In, in relation to housing, we do want to look after our youth. We have built one, th well, we are in the process of building affordable homes, as you well know. We built uh, all Montague, uh, sorry, Monscalpe Mews. We've built quite a lot of housing. We have now in the process of building 1,248 new affordable homes, of which um, Hassan Satinari Terrace are being given currently. Uh, we intend to, should we win the next election, we intend to build even more. Uh, that is how we look after our youth. All right, well, uh, our time is up for now, but uh, thank you for joining us, Housing Minister Stephen Linares. It's, uh, it's a big industry, Ian Triai Clarence, and um, one that I think a lot of young people in Gibraltar have been a part of, but now it's it's sort of taking on uh, a, a, this uh, like a new uh, form, no? with the, with a professionalisation if you like, mm. or, or, or at least moves towards making it more professional. That's exactly what uh, Stuart Harris in particular is very big on that. I mean, to give you an idea of how big big is. Uh, the esports market's projected to grow to £1.3 billion this year. That's a lot of money. Yeah, eye-watering quantities there. Um, that, that's worldwide, obviously, not in yeah, Gibraltar. worldwide. In Gibraltar, we're starting to make a bit of, uh, well, some moves. The, the prize pool was, rather, the top prize was £1,000 worth of gaming uh, equipment, which is, you know, quite tasty if you're a young gamer. 
but there's a lot more money out there. That's one of the, the sort of the two points that Stuart Harrison is trying to impress upon the public, which is that this is big business, whether you want it to be or not. And Gibraltar are all about Gibraltar PLC. We want sports tourism. We want event tourism. This could potentially be an outlet. Okay. And the other thing is that he wants kids to be able, he's, as he puts it, you know, they, they're playing games anyway. They're playing games at home. They're playing games on their phone. They're playing games on their, on their mobiles and obviously on their consoles. So why not streamline it why not professionalize it why not introduce good habits why not introduce sort of a, a structured regime and teach them how to train how to get better at their games because you can play 20 years worth of video games and not really improve mm. you, you know if you're not chipping away at your deficiencies as with any other sport so we started off with uh, 64 players in the first ever fifa 23 knockouts again the biggest event ever done in gibraltar in, in esports again 64 players turned out with their friends with their families you know it was it was well over 200 people here last night again with the dj we had the atmosphere the energy that i was more than we could have ever expected this was just a start i think what we needed the community to understand was what esports women looks like and what it feels like to compete you know how cool it is no like i think everyone walked away thinking that was a really cool event because we're promoting it and i don't think people could actually imagine what it looks like what it is to be part of an esports event you know and not just playing the games Everything that comes with it, no, the socialising, the social aspect of it, no, the promotion of it, the energy, supporting, watching, the music, all that is part of what an esports tournament all feels like. That was Stuart Harrison talking about the uh, FIFA knockout tournament this weekend, and he was talking about the energy at the event. This is what it sounded like. Sounds um, quite lively, and I was expecting sort of something a bit calmer to help people concentrate on the games. But no, uh, no, no. I think music goes hand in hand with these big esports events, and they've done really well in Boyd's. I mean, it looks great. We'll have some on uh, GBC News later tonight if you want to see what it looked like. But they had a really good setup, and that was what Stuart wanted to do. He wanted to to introduce them to what the atmosphere is like in one of these big events. Okay, so um, there was a winner as well. It was indeed Stevie Bolaños. Stevie Bolaños. Congratulations representing. to Stevie. So second and third place went to Spaniards, as with so many other things, you know, the, the, the great relationship across the border with gamers on the Spanish side, they came across, we had a few Spanish uh, entrants, but Stevie Bolaños, flying the flag for Gibraltar, came first. Good man. Right, thanks for the update, Ian Trey Clarence. It's 50 years today since the first straight crossing from Punta Cires in Morocco to Gibraltar in a Yola, which is a small wooden rowing boat. It was completed by the Galba Rowing Club's crew, who join me now at Broadcasting House. Good afternoon to Richard Abrado, Abby Suiza, Charlie Perez, Francisco Schieri, and uh, missing today is Ernesto Sanguinetti but we must mention him as well. Uh, thank you, gents, and uh, lovely, I suppose, to, to be remembering this 50 years on. Absolutely, so, yeah. Delighted, indeed. Quite a challenge. I remember Abby Suiza uh, got in touch with uh, Hector Capurro, and uh, he spurred the idea of uh, crossing the straits. And so we set off in the Jebel Tariq, uh, Mr. Capurro's boat, off to Punta Ciris, and we started off, it was a bit choppy, but a mile off uh, Punta Ciris, the, the weather got even choppier and we started uh, mm. getting water into the boat and eventually we sank. 
<laughs> that, that must was, have been a bit distressing. No? It was a bit distressing because remember that we were tied, our, our feet were tied to the boat, so we had to uh, remove uh, the, the straps in order to be able to, to re- release ourselves. And the, uh, the boat capsized, so there were uh, blades up in the air as the boat yeah. capsized. And, uh, so it was, yes. And, and I was speaking to Jose Mari Ruiz, my colleague, who has prepared a, a, a documentary uh, that plays tonight at uh, 8 o'clock on GBC television. And he was telling me that, um, that the um, life, life jackets were generally behind your seat, but instinctively you guys might have reached forward for the ones in front of you, leaving your poor cocks... No, no. Without they life left, jackets? They left me without the life jackets. You without life jackets. Yeah, because yeah. everybody was going uh, under, under the under seat of the, first, uh, of the first rower. So when I tried to grab into my life jacket, it wasn't there. So there I was clinging onto the boat <laughs> yeah. for dear life. In fact, I think they forgot me altogether. <laughs> they, they were all instructed to take their oars and swim to Mr. Kabura's boat, which they did, and I held, held on for dear life onto the the boat itself and in fact was the last one out of the water so at one point it was very scary because the the Jebel Tariq couldn't approach the Mercury too much for fear of damaging it so I had to try and swim over and climb the ladder by which time I was so exhausted that I couldn't so I remember that I was waiting for waves to come up and push me up and people were grabbing with their hands it was it was a very scary day but nevertheless I think we learned so much from it that we were doubly determined to to do it. We knew I, we were going to do it. I was going to say, it says a lot for your, for your strength of character that uh, you weren't put off by such a, a difficult and scary experience. Well, we got in touch with Mr. Bonfriglio from uh, Catalan Bay and he suggested that uh, in two days' time the weather was going to be perfect. So we set off to Punta Sires again and the the seas were absolutely flat calm all is, the way is that Manolo Bonfiglio? Uh, his father that would be his father Bernardo but of course our concern really was that our opponents might try it and we thought oh, they're going to beat us to it so regardless we had to go back and do it yeah so so this wasn't a question of, of if it was yeah. once you, you sort of had the idea Abby you, you were going to complete the it before idea was there Remember that they ha- the um, our competitors put it that way. They had done a twenty-four hour marathon uh, a row, which was uh, very successful in the bay, like uh, before us. So you know we couldn't be we couldn't not do it. So this was a question of club honor. Yeah, club honor <laughs> and and crew honor. You know, yes. absolutely. Good. Also, well, you, you managed to do it, which is which is remarkable. Um, uh, tell us about the crossing. It's the, the successful crossing itself. Uh, just over three hours. Was the weather much better? Because obviously nowadays we look at um, you know uh, v- several different sources uh, online. We've got several local meteorologists. But back then you went to La Caleta we, to, to find out what they had to say. By far the best. That but was no, the best. I am. I am. Uh, but Bernardo, what? Like just looking at the at the. Yeah, sky? Well, he was no, incredible. He didn't guy. even look. I remember uh, he stuck a finger up in the air and looked. We <laughs> <laughs> just felt the wind. No, I'm not no, kidding no. you. And he, maybe he was joking we, with us, we but went, he said, "Mañana, mañana, it's going to be yeah. calm." We went together, Richard and I, and we. I can remember him. He was like repairing the nets, and uh, we told him what we had done, and that we had uh, we had sunk. He said, "Of course, you sunk." 
you know, it's uh, the Levante, you know, it's an easterly wind. Of course you sung, you're crazy. Then, you know, so we, what do you want? What do you want to do? So he said, we want to do it. So he said, go tomorrow. And we, <laughs> the poniant, is that the poniant, <laughs> And we looked at each other. No, poniant is another story. Yeah. <laughs> we looked at each other and we, and we said, my gosh, that weather is the same as today, or like yesterday or worse. So we told him, said, what do you want for my life? You know, you come for advice. I gave, gave you advice. You go tomorrow. And we did it. It's like Charlie said. It was like a mirror. Yes, absolutely. But I, I, I don't remember it terribly well, but looking at, we, we've had a, an 8mm film uh, now um, digitalized, and looking at it at the, uh, at the beginning of the thing, it was very choppy, to it the extent choppy. I thought it was the first day, actually. Uh, but then it, it was really, really calm. Eh? But initially it was very choppy again. Uh, yeah, yeah I recall it a lot worse than that. In fact, it's a shame I don't have them with me, but I've got some old photographs and there's one in particular, I've mentioned it to you the other day, which shows the boat up in the air, not touching water. Uh, literally, a, a, either a big wave or two wow. waves threw us up in the air. Way, halfway out into the... Yeah. Into the, the you, you've got to remember the that there was yeah. a stretch, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a seven-mile stretch called La Cala or La Cala, yeah. where even the Monscalpe used to rock around. So you can imagine what it would do to a, a Yola like this. Yeah, the first, the first two or three miles, we stuck right behind the Jebel Tariq boat to, to afford protection. Yeah. But once we, we saw that the, the waters were calm, we just pulled off, we off and we went for it. Absolutely. And it was absolutely magnificent after that. In in fact, my uh, watching it the other day, my daughter thought it was like the uh, the old-fashioned films when you see it uh, very quickly because we were <laughs> rowing quite quite uh, fast. No, like no, no, that, that, that was, was real Must pace. have been doing thirty-four, thirty-six, 36 strokes, strokes uh, a minute. A minute, yeah. 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 So yeah. it wasn't allegedly. No, oh, no, 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 not at all. We it were. Was, uh, we were. V remember, we had more or less just finished the rowing season, so we were very fit. You're in good form. We were very good form. And we used to to train a little bit for this also. We used to go to the port of Algeciras, just outside, and wait for the trajinas, you know, and we would race them towards the uh, Europa yeah. Point. The trajinas like, being what? The, the, fishing, fishing the Spanish boats. Fishing, yes. fishing boats, you know, and race them across to, to, uh, to the area. Europa Point, practically, you know, all out. <laughs> but Avi was saying the other day that really the whole thing was very much like a training session. We just got there and away we went. Yes, you know, exactly. Yeah, it was in incredible. The, uh, the pace that we we crossed the straits was regatta pace, basically. And when we approached uh, the Gibraltar, then a lot of the people from Cam Bay just flocked to the to the shoreline and started waving at us. And then the reception that we had arriving at the club was really incredible. GBC was there, all the members of the club, all the old and young members were there. Ladies had been allowed uh, yes. to visit the club on to a weekday, which was unheard of. Unheard of, uh, that's right. Different yes. times. You know, 50 years different ago, it was yeah. what uh, predominantly a male club, women only allowed in no, on no, Sundays. No, 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 it wasn't predominantly. Holidays. It was exclusively Exclusive. men. You know, Apart from Sundays and bank holidays. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yes, that's yes. And that is because the frontier was closed. Otherwise, we wouldn't have allowed them. You know, it's exclusively <laughs> men. <laughs> yes, it was. 
Uh, uh, okay, so but but your your uh, partners were able to to be there to receive on the day. You. Absolutely, yes. yeah. Everybody was allowed in. In fact, again, carriage to, and GB and uh, Radio Gibraltar was broadcasting updates of uh, exactly where we were, so that uh, we uh, the minister came with us. So it, it was an important uh, occasion. It was indeed. I think it's worth noting that uh, although we were obviously very keen to make sure we did this before any other crew. Um, we were very sort of aware that this was an achievement for everybody. This was an achievement for rowing and Gibraltar, for both clubs, for Gibraltarians. You know, this was internationally recognised. And obviously we as a crew have bonded tremendously over the years because of this and, and other achievements. But we we like to think that the whole of Gibraltar can be proud of this. This was a, a historic achievement, first ever, and I believe only ever. Well, let me read from uh, a few, or quote from a few letters um, to, that, that are marking uh, today's anniversary. The first from the president of the Mediterranean Rowing Club, Stuart Bensadon, uh, addressed to your club president, Nigel Pardo, uh, extending heartfelt congratulations on behalf of the whole Med Rowing Club. The letter says, your tenacity, dedication and unwavering spirit have demonstrated the true essence of sportsmanship and rowing excellence as well as resilience and determination. You broke down barriers and achieved what many considered to be impossible and that is an inspiration to all rowing enthusiasts and athletes around the world. Mr. Bensadon says he hopes that your story will continue to inspire and motivate future generations of rowers. Um, so, very quickly, a, a quick word on, on, on that letter, if you will. Well, I think Abby's crying. Are you crying, Abby? <laughs> I tell you, when I read that letter, I, I had goosebumps because it's an incredible letter. It's a, it's a really incredible letter. Yes. The, it, it's from the heart. It's a classic. You know, it's a, yes. You know, from a rival club that they write, a, that the president takes the time to write a letter like that one. Yes. It uh, says a lot for the person that writes and for the club. And I'm yes. sure we, we would all, all wholeheartedly thank him. Absolutely. Of course. Yes. Absolutely. It's a lovely letter. recognition. I'm going to hug him tonight when he's <laughs> here. No, no, he won't go now, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read also a letter or some comments published by the Chief Minister. Uh, Fabian Pigardo calls it a remarkable achievement which captured significant local and international attention in the media. He congratulated the magnificent Galpe crew. And there's also um, a letter by the GSD who say it's an important maritime, was an important maritime achievement, uh, which got prominent coverage in the Sports World magazine at the That's time. Right. Uh, the party congratulates uh, the crew and the many people that it says were involved behind the scenes and the GSD highlights how 2023 has already seen great success for Gibraltar's rowers in international events and they hope that that success continues and I su suppose it's a, also a nod to you guys um, for, for being inspirational in, in local rowing circles That's so nice Yes, it's, it's been an honour really to promote rowing and to bring the 50th anniversary to a head and uh, show other young rowers what achievements can be made from from this and sorry if i can just butt in there you just they they, just, they said you know people behind the scenes and of course we we owe this to 
all the people that had trained us so over the the years you know yes. like mr dumolin and uh, mr costieri clive baker they all, they all have parts yes. in in this they all because if not we would not have been able to do it yes you know it's for them as much as for us for us yes and the support that we got from and many members in the club i remember when you and i went to see hector capurro and asking hector would you and he turned around and says yeah yeah i'll do it no questions yeah, asked no you questions know and uh, exactly yeah. it was like yes no problem and of course he had to go twice he took yeah. us there yes. on two twice. occasions <laughs> lots of generosity from him as well absolutely and i was also very interested to read that um uh, you know trying to understand how difficult a, a challenge this was that um gibraltar's much loved sports journalist john oh, shepherd yes. senior <laughs> yeah. yes, had true. said that uh, he didn't think when you failed or you you weren't able to do it in the first crossing he said that it was admirable but perhaps a little bit foolhardy and Yes. suggested that it really wasn't going to be possible, no? Those were... And that he did with his words? He did, he did, he did his words. He did his words. If I remember correctly, he... actual words. If I remember correctly, he wrote his words down on rice paper and actually <laughs> swallowed <laughs> one. <laughs> yes. I don't, re- don't know about that, but he did say... Um, because we were known as the Red Devils, so, you know, <laughs> the brave... I think he said, the brave and foolhardy... You know, Red Devils, and if they do it, I'll eat the Chronicles. And, uh, and, and I remember the what we used to call the Tomatitos, which all the children with, with red, uh, red shirts, yeah. uh, t-shirts, t-shirts, you know, and, and yes. it was they such an atmosphere. They would all, there was yeah. this catamaran, I can't remember the name, yeah. and all of them would go on a catamaran with Tomatitos, and, and that really uh, and the promoted rowing to shell, a very large extent. The Shell had a, uh, a boat also, I don't know if you remember, the Shell Dave. Yeah. And they brought all the kids out from wearing uh, red, red, you know, they were t-shirts. You're mentioning tomatitos and it's reminded me that I wanted to ask you, how did you guys keep your energy levels up for those three hours? Uh-huh. That's down to the cocks. <laughs> orange, <laughs> or, orange juice. <laughs> One of my several tasks, because obviously these guys did all the hard work, But um, like with any team sport, you know, each one of us is a cog in a wheel without which the wheel doesn't turn. So uh, apart from steering and balancing and uh, synchronizing the rate and power of the various strokes and motivating and so on, I carried the orange juice. <laughs> so we had actually trained in the weeks prior to be a, because, of course, it was supposedly a, or it had to be a nonstop row. So the, the guys had actually trained in passing the big orange <laughs> bottle back between, you know, back and forth between them. Um, so that's how we rehydrated, you know, every sort of half an hour or so out came the orange juice. Amazing. Some great um, sort of moments to celebrate the 50 years on. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.